Hey, my name's Ruben, the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. Welcome to our podcast, where you can catch up on all the messages that you might have missed, or you might want to hear again. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope it challenges you. We hope it encourages you. And we hope ultimately that it would draw you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautifully dressed bride for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. and They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings. I will be their God, and they will be my children. Father, this morning, as we've spent time already in your presence, we thank you. We thank you that you're here with us. Spirit of God, we just we sense your presence here. We acknowledge you and we love you and we want to honor you with everything that we have. May this always be about you. Because you're so worthy of our praise. You so deserve it. And we want to say this morning that we love you and you're a good, good God. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you, team. You can grab a seat. Wow. Truly wonderful to be in God's presence, right? There's no better place. No better place. So it was a good start this morning. I put on the microphone that we normally wear for for preaching with, and I put it around my big head, and it snapped. Um, So that wasn't a great start. That's all right, and um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. It's absolutely wonderful to be able to bring God's Word this morning, and as already mentioned, we're in our series, uh, The Presence, and uh, this, this week we are um, wrapping up the talks, the, the, the sermons that we've had in this series. This is the last Sunday of our present series talks, because next Sunday we're having a time and an opportunity to explore some of the things that we've learned um, around being in His presence. So t- next Sunday we'll be dedicated to worship and to prayer and to reading of God's Word and spending time with Him. So there'll be no sermon per se, but there'll be plenty of opportunities to be in the presence of God, which is fantastic, right? Yeah, right? Oh, good. Good you're here this morning. It's good to, good to have some people in the auditorium. And so we've had an amazing time looking at God's presence um, through this series. We've, we've looked at trusting in His presence, posture in His presence, Presence in the quiet, present through His Word, present in us. And then last week, we looked at seeking His presence. Um, And this week, we are looking at His presence in full. 
So you see, right now here on earth, uh, we get glimpses of God's tangible presence, something that we will one day experience in the full, uh, and when God brings heaven to earth. And we look forward to the day with great expectation where there will be no more death, pain, or sorrow. There will be no more, and all things will be made new. Amen? Come on, church, that is a good thing. Amen? That's much better. So what we're talking about here is His presence in full. And of course, we're talking about heaven. Heaven. Now, where does this word heaven come from? Well, it's an old Anglo-Saxon word, heave on. Heave on. And of course, we don't talk like that. You don't say, when I die, I'm going to heave on. Um, But the original term, it means to be lifted up or uplifted, which isn't far from the biblical interpretation. You see, the Hebrew word is shamayim, which, um, which means heights or lifted up, um, a lifted up place. The Greek word is or- oranos, which means lofty place, and it's been described as the vaulted expanse of the sky with all things visible in it. A side note to this, that the Greek word um, that we just shared, Uranus, has inspired the, the name of the seventh planet um, in the solar system from the sun, Uranus. And, and of course, this all comes from Scripture when we see and hear about talking about being up there. All right. John 17, Jesus said he lifted his eyes and he prayed to heaven. Revelation 4, it says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, come up here. So the word is mentioned about 700 times in the Bible, the word heaven, or in the plural, heavens, is mentioned about 700 times. So it's a pretty important word, right? We can all agree to that. It's, it's an important word. And of course, this is the ultimate destination for us, for those of us who follow Jesus. It's the final destination. It's a big subject, and there's a lot to cover in heaven, and, and I don't have enough time to cover all the parts today, but I want to look at his presence in full. You see, Paul even wrote in Philippians, he said that our citizenship isn't here on earth, our citizenship is in heaven. And in the same book, he says, for me to live uh, to, uh, is Christ, but to die is gain. Therefore, heaven being the, the better place and the final place. You see, when it comes to the topic of heaven, there's, there's quite a lot of... Um, different opinions, um, let's just say, what it'll truly be like. And, and lots of people have spent a lot of time thinking about, this is what heaven's going to be like, or, or this is what heaven's going to be like. And, and I love how C.S. Lewis, he describes it like this. He says, our ability to imagine what eternity will be like is like two infants in a womb talking about what they'll be doing once they're born and they're 25 years old. Realistically, they actually have no reference point. We're not entirely sure. But a lot of people have spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. And, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to, to read into and research. So I encourage you, to, if you want to and you're into that sort of stuff, then, then spend time thinking about it. But we won't truly know until we get there. Amen? Cool. We're on the same page. So what we do know about heaven, which is really, really important, what we do know about heaven and what we've described this morning is living in heaven and being in heaven will be very different to how we live here on earth. And that's good news. Now, I understand there's a few different opinions about when and where and what stage will take place and so on, and and lots of people have thoughts around that as well. But I wanted to share just some of the thoughts that I have, and these are my thoughts this morning, um, about the different phases of our heavenly experience, okay? Just just like in life, we go through phases, right? We We have nine months in the womb, then the birth stage, and then we have the infant stage, then the toddler, the teenagers, the fun stage, uh, the young adults, 
adults, and then elderly. In the heavenly phases, in the heavenly um, experience, you know, we have, we have phases. It's not all um, at once. So when, when we die, those of us who are in Christ, when we die, the Bible talks about when we die, our bodies stay here and our spirit goes to be with God. So I want to map out a bit of a timeline this morning. And um, it's, it's, it's important for us just to understand this. So when we die, our souls go to be with Christ. You know, Paul wrote, he, he wrote this, he said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, Scripture doesn't have a lot of say on this period. And, and again, a lot of people have spent a lot of time trying to figure out what this is. And they've spent time thinking, this is what it is, this is what it isn't. Um, but what I can see, from what I understand, is that as part of our heavenly marriage experience with Christ, that when we die, our, Christ, our, our spirit rather is with Christ. No holding place, no purgatory. Quoting Jesus, he said, from the dying thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Phase two, when, when Christ returns, when Christ comes for his, for his church, uh, he says that the dead in Christ will rise. Wow, that'll be an incredible experience when the church is called home to be with Jesus. And then if you read in 2 Corinthians, we read about that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is when we have to give an account, those of us who are followers of Jesus, or those of us who are followers of Jesus, have to give an account of all the work that we've done for Christ. So picture this. Not only is heaven this wonderful place that we can't wait to get to, in actual fact, God says thank you to the work that you did for him. He goes over and above and beyond for us that we actually deserve none of this, but God decides to give us a reward for the work that we do for him. Isn't he incredible? Wayne Grudem says this in Systematic Theology. It's a book um, that uh, we study at Bible College often, and it says this, Heaven is a place where God most fully makes known his presence to bless. What an incredible God we serve. What an incredible, incredible God. So after the judgment seat of Christ, we have this period called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Um, you can read about that in Revelation 19. And again, you know, just because the Bible is a complex uh, topic at times, lots of theological tensions around this one. Some people think of seven years. Some people think of a thousand years. Tell you what, I'm not, quite sh I'm not entirely sure, but I'll let you know when I get there. And, um, and th this is the period that we have called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Then after that, we, we, we were into this stage called the thousand-year reign of Christ where Christ comes to be on the earth to reign for a thousand years. And it's mentioned many times in, in Revelation 20 about the thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. Then the next phase after this is the great white throne judgment, where God will judge those who never chose to follow Christ. And they'll be eternally separated from God. And that's a sad reality. The great white throne judgment. And then we move on to the final phase, which we've talked about today already in our passage of Scripture that we've read. The new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. The sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed. For her husband. Wow, what a picture. Who's excited to go there? Yeah, man. 
You know, see this idea of this, this new heaven and new earth. This isn't something that just popped up in John's vision. This isn't just something that pops up in Revelation. We actually learn about it in the Old Testament too in the book of Isaiah. And in chapter 66, verse 22, it says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I will make endure before me, declares the Lord. In other words, I'm going to make a new heaven. I'm going to make a new earth that will never, ever be destroyed. And then we jump in Revelation 21 again to verse 5, and it says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, oh, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He's making all things new. That's good news, right? Who in here loves new things? Be honest. It's okay. We won't judge. I love new things. I absolutely love new things. I love the idea of... Say you got a new device or a new phone or whatever, and you get to open up that package. And I'm kind of OCD about it, so I'll get the knife and cut around carefully just to make sure the film comes off well. Then you open up the box, and you smell the newness, and it's like, oh, this is so cool. And then, and, then, and then there's that clear film that's over devices, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, do I take it off or do I leave it on? I want to keep it good. I don't want to get any scratches on it. Um, but it's a it's wonderful experience. It's like really thrilling experience, isn't it? Am I on my own here? Yeah, come on, there's more honest people in here. You know, we're the church people, can't lie. And um, anyway, sometimes I'm like, I'm the sort of guy who goes, uh, no, I can't do that yet. So I like to, I like to keep the, phone, uh, the plastic on um, for a period of time. So I'll maybe have it for two to three weeks, and it gets really grubby. And Sarah will say to me, why do you still have that on? Like, what is the point of it? And I'll be like, because I get to experience the new all over again. I get to pull that off again. And like, whoa, it's all crystal clear, and it's clean, and it's wonderful. And I'm so excited about it. I love new things. I feel like I'm on my own here, church. And um, when, when, when you go to get a new air freshener for the car, right? Lemon, ugh, oh, horrible. Hor- it smells like toilet cleaner when you get a lemon air freshener, just saying. Um, or, or black, what's, what's the one? Um, tell me black ice. It's okay, isn't it? But new car, woo! What an experience. New car air freshener is the superior air freshener that you can get. Honestly, every time we get one of those in the car, I'm just thinking, oh, I've got a new car today, and it is fantastic. Love new car for air freshener. But church, believe me, that is not the point where I'm going with this. Um, But we do like new things, don't we? We do like new things. Well, here, guess what? We're all going to be made new when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. It's good. No more bad knee. It's going to be fantastic. Going to be made new. Behold, all things are new. Look at verse 3, and this is most important, because this is the bit that we feel that we struggle with right now. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be with his people, and we'll be eternally with God. God himself will be with them, and he'll wipe away every tear from eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All things will be gone forever. Hallelujah. Who's excited? Man, no more cancer. No more heart attacks. No more depression, anxiety, abuse, stress, pressures, or addictions. Behold, all things will be made new. Amen? Amen. There isn't a word in the English dictionary that could even come close to how good it's going to be. And I started to look, of course, because I'm stubborn. But there's not. And then I even stumbled across Mary Poppins. 
When you've got something to say, you've got nothing to say. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's not even close enough. Not even close enough to how good it's going to be. Hallelujah. So we can agree heaven's going to be a good place, right? It's going to be wonderful, and I look forward to the day. I really do. But I guess this is a question we have to ask ourselves. We really have to consider. And um, what about now? What about the pain, the sorrow, the hurt, the tears that we have now? How, how, how are we to deal with that? What about our time here on earth that we have that remains? Do we have to wait to heaven in order to experience the good things of God? Or are we destined only to get those things when we get to heaven? Well, thankfully, because of God's grace and his wonderfulness to us, the answer is no. No. And I want to spend the next few moments looking at that. Even though that we won't experience his presence in full, the full experience of God until heaven, we can still experience heavenly presence of God right here on earth. The Bible Project is this wonderful um, organization that do videos on different subjects. They do videos on different Bible verses and, um, and passages and books of the Bible and characters. And if you want to learn um, about stuff, I, I'd strongly recommend the Bible Project. Isaac has talked about it quite a bit, obviously, in the past as well. But it is wonderful when you, if you're looking to dive deeper into a subject or look at a book. Um, utilize it. It's there and it's free, which is just wonderful. Um, so they, they, do, they do a section on heaven and earth, um, and it's on YouTube, and if you just type that into YouTube, it'll come up. Um, and this is where I've got a lot of the content for this next part of today's sermon, but I strongly recommend it. So I want to paint a bit of a picture here. In the Bible, we have heaven and earth. For a, for a more simplified version, and for the sake of today's sermon, let's just call it God's space and then our space, all right? God's space and our space. Uh, and as, as we should know our space really, really well, okay? This is the place where we all live. There's uh, beautiful mountains, trees, and the rivers, and the valleys, and there's just this endless amount of opportunities to see the splendor of God's handiwork when we look around it. And New Zealand is blessed with some beautiful scenery, and we just give thanks to God for His, His incredible craftsmanship, don't we? At the same time, in this world, we have this tension where it's full of God's wonder and, and His creation, but at the same time, we have this thing called sin. We have this thing called sin that separates us from heaven. You see, we know this place really, really well. We should know our space really well. Second side of that is that then we have God's space. We know less about God's space. We're, we're still yet to learn all about God's space. But we get some beautiful imagery describing what it's going to be like. And last week, Daryl painted a beautiful picture of the throne room of being in God's presence. So when does heaven and earth overlap? When does God's space and our space overlap? You know, we probably don't spend enough time talking about this. And it's a shame because in reality, the story of the Bible, it's all about the union of heaven and earth. You see, they were once fully united in the garden. Humans and God. And then they were driven apart by sin. And, and one day, God says, I'm going to bring them back together again in unity. You see, in the Garden of Eden, we had this perfect, perfect setting. Beautiful place where God and humans work perfectly together. And then they're driven apart by sin. Uh, where where uh, man and, and woman believed that they could be as powerful as God. They were deceived by a serpent. 
And after that, well, you can pick up this story, obviously, in Genesis, uh, at the start of the Bible. It's about Adam and Eve. After the fall, then we see these two spaces come apart. God's space and our space. So how do we then get the spaces to overlap? How do we get to experience God's presence here on earth? Well, in the Old Testament, the order in which they, they had to go about to experience God's presence is very, very different to how we do it today. In order for us to talk about the Old Testament, we have to talk about temples. We have to talk about temples. Now, these temples would be designed in such a way they were stunning um, uh, pieces of craftsmanship. There was trees, there was gold, and there was all of earth's finest materials to build these places. And, and in order, it was actually for them to experience really what the Garden of Eden would have truly been like. They are described in the Old Testament, the innermost place, as the Holy of Holies. Now, of course, a beautiful building, um, calling it a temple, doesn't automatically mean that that's God's presence um, that it'd be accessible by people because God's space doesn't have sin, and of course, our space has sin. So, how do these things overlap? We have this tension, and people want to experience God's space, but people have sin, and God's space can't have sin in it. So, how is this resolved? Well, it was resolved by animal sacrifice. Animal sacrifice. Which, if we're honest and we think about now, man, that's weird. Um, but the idea was that when there was a sacrificed animal, it absorbed the people's sin and it created this clean space so that the two spaces could overlap. And they're now free to enter into the temple, into the holies of holies. And, and this is how the Old Testament continues, right through people making sacrifices to be entered into God's presence, etc., 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 right until we get to the New Testament where we're introduced to Jesus. In the Gospel of John, we read this at uh, chapter 1, verse 14. So the Word, being God, became human, made His home among us, and He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So now Jesus is living in our space, uh, and He continues to show us that there is a possibility for this heaven and earth to overlap. Are you with me? Are you with me? Brilliant. The difference is unlike in the Old Testament where God's presence was only in the holies of holy after they created a clean space. You see, Jesus started traveling around and he was speaking with sinners and he was healing people and he was forgiving people of their sins. In other words, Jesus was just creating these little pockets of heaven around the place. His presence was just going through the place. Jesus' message we look at it, what did he say? This was the core of Jesus' message. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what he was meaning. And he even taught, it, he taught us how to pray. What did he say? He said, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of course, lots of people were absolutely threatened by this idea because how dare this man who claims to be God come in and upset everyone and tell them that animal sacrifice is no longer needed and they, they get really upset with him. And ultimately, what do they do? They kill him. They put him on a cross, and they kill him. And many would think at that point, oh my goodness, how on earth are we going to experience God's presence now? The one that he sent, Jesus, his only son, is now dead, and how are we going to experience his presence here on earth? You see, we need to backtrack slightly, and we need to look at John chapter 1, verse 29. Key part of this. Behold, this, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, the cross is now the place where sin can be absorbed. And it creates this clean space where people can experience His presence and we're not limited to temples. 
Hallelujah. You see, Jesus' death on the cross has the power to keep spreading more and more of those little pockets of heaven right throughout this place. We'll see more and more of heaven on earth through the work of the cross. So every time someone commits to following Jesus, we see heaven touch earth. Every time we see someone healed in Jesus' name, we see heaven touching earth. And we have the beauty of the Holy Spirit. In steps the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is on the move throughout His people today. You see, the focus of the Bible isn't just to see us all get to heaven. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus. And one day, we'll be completely together. And that's what we read about Revelation today. Where God's space and our space will one day completely overlap. Completely overlap. It's beautiful, isn't it? I want to I wanna speak about, um, I want to finish with a story and um, this idea of how we experience His presence here on earth. And um, I've been reading a book um, recently, and um, it's one that it's stretching me, which is good. Um, but it's called this, it says, uh, the title is fantastic, by the way. It says, Everyday Supernatural, Living a Spirit-Led Life Without Being Weird. It's a great title. And it's by pastors uh, Mike Palavacci and Andy Croft, who are from the UK. And in the summer just gone, I got to, um, I got to meet um, Mike. And um, I just want to read you some parts of that book that I've been learning from and, and something that ties in beautifully for what we're talking about today. See, church, when we start talking about seeking God's presence, we simply mean we are seeking to be close to Jesus. Our goal should be relationship with Jesus over everything else. Not the power from Jesus. We shouldn't be going just looking par. Our first and primary, our first goal should be to seek relationship with Jesus. Christianity isn't complicated. It's not about rules. It's an invitation to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And God's power is never something that is sent to us from a distance. Miracles are not like Amazon packages that arrive totally disconnected from the sender. You see, the power of God, the power of God cannot be separated from His presence. You see, if you're standing next to a fire, you'll become warm. If you jump into a pool, you'll get wet. In the same way, if you're close to the Lord, His power will be present. The power is in His presence. You see, when we seek to be close to God, when we seek to be in the presence of God, the potential for supernatural is all around us. The potential for heaven to touch earth is all around us. You see, church, every time we spend together like this, in the name of Jesus, and we worship through song and quiet time under His teaching and praying, we experience the presence of God. God will show up, and it's our job to be prepared to meet with Him. Now, my encouragement is always this, and it has been, come with an open heart and an open mind and ready to receive from Him. Because where there is where there is um, worship, where there is song, where there is praise, where there is prayer, where there is meeting of people in the name of Jesus, God is with us. We're in His presence. 
and by association will receive his power and he can do incredible things in his presence. So each time we come to church like this in his name, we see heaven and earth overlap. Wow. It's beautiful, isn't it? When we see salvation, heaven and earth overlap. When we see healing, heaven and earth overlap. When we worship, heaven and earth overlap. So how are we posturing ourselves when we're meeting with the king? Man, that's a challenge, isn't it? That's a challenge to how we're preparing ourselves every time we meet together. Before we come to worship, before we prepare ourselves, we need to remember that we're meeting in God's presence. And therefore, we'll experience his power. In the book, um, Mike Pilavachi, he tells a story, a wonderful story of heaven touching earth. He said this, he said, Some years ago, I was in a prayer and worship meeting, and I found myself sitting next to a very elderly lady. We were singing Psalm 134, and everyone was clapping. And as the song came to an end, everyone stopped clapping except the old lady. After a few moments, she, she soon realized that she was the only one clapping, and, and she decided to stop. But then she went on to tell the story to the group. She said, I've been suffering from arthritis for the past few years. My hands have been so twisted that I couldn't even hold a coffee cup. I haven't clapped for years. And as I was worshiping Jesus, I forgot that I couldn't clap. She says, look, as she's waving her hands, he healed me when I wasn't looking. The lady saw Jesus. She had longed to be close to him. It's not surprising us uh, at all that when she was seeking his presence, she encountered his power as well. Hallelujah. Heaven came down and glory filled her soul. It's beautiful, isn't it? This is why each week we offer prayer at the end of our services. This is why we have these kingdom nights. And church, on a side note, I appreciate everyone who comes along, but a church of our size, like I sometimes struggle with, we put on these opportunities for people to come forward to receive prayer. We put on these evenings to pray and worship and get into God's presence. And we don't often see a lot of, a lot of people come along. And this is not a telling off, but I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're definitely missing out. And I, I feel as a followers of Christ, we should be trying at every opportunity to be in His presence. Because I don't know about you, but I need His power. I need His power. I need His power. We as a church have to do a service to facilitate you in that. And we try our best. And we want you to come along to experience these things. But as I say, this is why we offer prayer at the end of the service. This is why we hold these kingdom nights. Because we want to seek God's presence. And we want to experience His power. We all need a touch from Him. We all need a touch from Him. I know I said two seconds ago I'll finish with this story. But I'm going to finish with this, I promise. And um, invite the team up as we prepare ourselves to encounter his presence. I've talked about heaven and how supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is going to be. How we experience God's presence and power through his people. And one day we will be fully reunited with him. And behold, all things will be made new. I have to be super clear though. I have to be clear that this is for those who follow Christ. This is for those who have made a commitment to following Jesus. This is for those who consider themselves Christians. 
So it's important for me to be fair to send out an invitation for anyone here this morning who is gathered here who doesn't yet know Jesus. Oh man, you're invited. You are invited. You're invited to accept Jesus as your Savior today. You're invited to be part of this heaven-touching earth. You're invited to experience the new heaven and the new earth and have full restored bodies in Jesus. You are invited. And today is a perfect opportunity for you to accept Jesus as your Savior. I can testify it's the best decision that you will ever make. Ever make. Ever make. So I want to lead us in a time of prayer this morning. And I want um, um, us to be respectful of this and let's bow our heads and close our eyes. There's no distractions. For those of you who don't know Jesus, um, you're welcome to, to say this prayer after me. You can say it out loud or you can say it into yourselves. Or if you want to, you can come down in the front and join us. The leadership will be here. In fact, I actually invite the leadership to come down now and be available. See, during these next, uh, so, this next song and at the end of the service, there will be opportunities to be prayed for as well, of course. But as we settle our hearts and as we prepare ourselves, if you feel like God has been speaking to you this morning, if you're feeling like this is the opportunity for you to accept Jesus as your Savior, then I encourage you to pray this prayer, and um, we would love to start the journey with you. Please, um, just keep our eyes bowed, our heads closed, and all of us here who come to church regularly have no distractions. You can say it out loud or you can say it into yourself. Lord, I admit it. I'm a sinner. And I need you in my life. Father, forgive me. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe that he is alive today. Today I draw a line in the sand. I turn from my past. I turn to Jesus as my Savior and Lord of my life. Fill me today with your Spirit, your presence, and your power. Help me to live a life that pleases you. As we continue with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no distractions, church. Let's just close your eyes. If you're here this morning and then you made that decision, would you pop up your hand just so we can identify who you are and I'll meet with you after? If you prayed that prayer this morning. Amen. 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 I invite the rest of us now to stand together as we enter into a time of being in His presence. The stand. The invitation is there, um, of course, if you would like to be prayed for in anything. Um, if you're um, carrying a burden that you can't carry by yourself, that's what we're here for. As I said, when we're in His, in his presence, we experience His power. So please utilize this time together as we as we as we worship in, in song. But let's just um, let's just posture our hearts now as we lead into this time of, of song to worship God. Let's just close our eyes and extend our arms if you feel comfortable, ready to receive from Him this morning.
Heavenly Father, we just want to say that we love you. And Lord, as we enter into this time of, of worship through song, as we engage with heaven, we know that we stand here on holy ground because we are in your presence. May your spirit fill this place. Touch every heart that's here. For those who are watching online, I pray that your spirit extends to them as well. And may your power be at work. Spirit of God, fill this place. Change lives. May we be transformed in your name. And for your glory alone. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or maybe after today's message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find out everything you need to know on our website, which is crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss out on new content. Thanks for stopping by.